day, we are safe in his arms and we're leaning on his everlasting arms. Upon Christ, the solid foundation we stand, all other ground, all other ground is sinking sand. Today, we are going to be coming from the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 4 and through chapter 7, and obviously we're not going to look at all the verses in those three chapters, but I would ask that you would rest your eyes with me as we would look at the Word of God in Samuel chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and camped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Apek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to Shiloh to us. Then when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we bless you because you're here today. But whether the body of Christ is gathered or scattered, you have promised that you would never leave us or forsake us and that you would continue to be a present help in the time of trouble. And God, we're leaning upon you during this hour of trouble and we're thanking you in advance because we stand under the shield of our mighty protector, Jehovah Shikanu, who is our banner. You are our shield. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We bring you greetings from New Direction Bible Fellowship. Uh, during this very challenging time of the coronavirus, and we are definitely in prayer one for another, and our faith is in the Lord. Our faith is in the Lord. Our faith is in the Lord. Amen. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up was The Wizard of Oz. And most of you are familiar with the story. Dorothy and her three friends, along with Toto, all of them had a problem. Dorothy needed to return to Kansas where her family lived with Toto. The lion needed courage. The tin man needed a heart. The lion, the lion needed courage and the tin man and the straw man needed a brain. And so they were told that there was an answer, there was a solution to their problem if they could just get to the Emerald City. Because in the city called Emerald was the great Wizard of Oz. And so then, hearing this, they were encouraged as they made their way 
up the yellow brick road. All of their hopes were nearly dashed when they finally had their meeting with the Wizard of Oz when they were given their introduction. They were brought into the room where the wizard was to talk with them and to their surprise and amaze, there's this monstrous machine with the image of a, of a, of a man that was flashing in and out at smoke and, and explosions were, were, were sounding all around Dorothy and her three, three friends and they were terrorized that they had traveled this distance looking for an answer to their problem only to be faced with a machine. All of that changed when Toto decided instinctively to go behind the curtain. <laughs> because behind the curtain was the real Wizard of Oz. Uh, the machine wasn't the wizard, it represented, he wanted to give the image of a certain uh, strength and might so that people would be afraid of him, but behind the curtain was the real deal. I want you to know if, the, if uh, Dorothy and her three friends had been satisfied with simply being on the outside, being terrified by a machine, they would have never gotten their problem solved. Now here, as I stand before you today, I believe that many Christians like Dorothy and her three friends, our only understanding and experience of God is outside of the veil. Uh, we, we have seen God from symbols and pictures and, and rituals. Although they thought that the machine was the wizard, it turned out that it was an image of the real person behind the curtain. How many of you know that a picture is not the same thing as a person? It is dangerous to substitute an image, a symbol, or an icon for the real person. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we discover that mistaking a symbol of God for the reality of his presence and power caused thousands to lose their lives. Listen to what verse 3 of 1 Samuel chapter 4 says again. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Now catch this. Let us bring the ark, the picture of God, the covenant of the Lord, from Silo to us, and when it comes among us, it may save us from the hands of the enemy. Now, before we unpack this, let me remind you of how God feels when we mistake a picture for his true identity, for his true person. Tell somebody that you don't want to mistake the picture for a person. Don't mistake the picture for the person. God makes, or God takes his identity seriously. Uh, we see this in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 6. You shall not have other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves carved images, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above 
or in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the father upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate the ark was simply a wooden box that was covered by gold. And on either end, on the opposite ends, there were two cherubims that faced each other. And inside of the ark, there were three items. There was the, there was the, the, rod, of Mo, the, uh, the rod of Aaron. There was the Ten Commandments, the Stones of Commandments. And then there was the manna that God had fed the nation of Israel during their journey from the, from the slavery of Egypt towards the promised land. There were three items. But in the midst of the cherubim, God would occasionally and selectively manifest his Shekinah glory so that the people would know that he was in their midst. The God who is omnipresent would humble, would, would condescend and allow a physical manifestation of his presence to be seen dwelling in the midst of the two angels. And whenever the nation of Israel traveled, the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be in the middle of all of the 12 tribes so that everywhere they went, they would know that God was to be the center of all that they did. Now, again, the Ark was a box, but what gave the Ark significance was not the gold and the wood and, and, and what the ark represented, the ark was significant because of what was on the inside of the ark. The word of God was on the inside of the ark, and dwelling in between was the presence of God. That is what made the ark holy. But now you hear the nation of Israel saying, let's go get the box. Let's go get the figure. Let's go get the picture so that it will deliver me, deliver us from our enemy. Later, we discover at the end of the chapter, once the nation of Israel is defeated by the Philistines, the wife of one of the, the sons of Eli, who was the, the, the priest of the nation of Israel, his son Hophni and Phinehas, they both, we're going to discover, they were killed during this final battle with the Philistines. And when Phinehas' wife, who was delivering a baby, heard that, her husband, that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken, after the Israelites were defeated, the Philistines took the ark, captured the ark. And so when she heard that the ark of the covenant had been taken, the Bible says that she gave birth to the child and she died. But before she died, as she gave birth to a son, she named him Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed. That's what the name Ichabod means. But again, she's mistaken. The ark had departed. The symbol that represented God was no longer in the presence of the nation of Israel. But that didn't mean that the presence and the power was gone. But she had so associated what represented God, being outside of the veil, just the, the religious symbols, she had so connected that to God that when that visible symbol was gone, she concluded that the glory of God 
was going. I want you to know that you may not be in a church building, uh, uh, the, the place where we call church, the symbol where the cross may stand outside of a building, and, and, and you may not be able to gather and, and fellowship with other believers, and one day we will, but until then, I want you to understand that the glory of the Lord has not departed. You can worship the same God who we worship together when two or three are gathered in his name. You can start worshiping right now. You can praise him right now. The Ark of the Covenant the physical, visible symbol of where the church meets may not be available to you, but the God that this symbol represents, he's right with you in your home, and you need to give him some praise right now. Thank you, Lord, that you're not limited to time, space. Thank you, God, that you are not restricted to a building, but you live, in fact, the Bible says that you and I, if you know Jesus, you are the temple of God, and his spirit is dwelling in you. So wherever you are, guess what? God is with you right now. You ought to praise him for dwelling in you. The ark was gone. And she concluded, therefore, God is gone. The symbols may not be available to you, but God is still yet sitting on the throne. Somebody say amen. Religious activities are unaffected when you settle for substitutes for real encounters with the true God. Unfortunately, some people think that symbols of God are substitutes for the real thing. But when you're going through a COVID-19 a COVID experience, your crucifix ain't going to help you. I, I want you to understand that your ecclesiastical titles will not help you. That big old dusty family Bible on the table, it's nice to have it. I'm glad you got the tradition, but that is not going to help you. You can cover your head when you, when you, while you're walking around home, but that covering on your head is not going to take COVID-19 away. You can sit in a stained glass church with stained glass windows, but the stained glasses aren't going to help you. You can put on your white outfit during communion, but your white outfit won't help you. I want you to know you can have all of those things, and none of those things guarantee that the presence of God is there. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus said, I'm standing at the door of the church. Church was going on in a building, in a facility, in a local space. He said, but I'm knocking on the door. You're having church. My name is being mentioned. The choir is singing. The crowd has gathered. The preacher's about to get in the pulpit. But he said, I'm outside, and I'm knocking. He said, but if you let me in. If you let me into the symbols, if you understand that the pictures that represent me, the veil that you're standing outside of is not what's going to get you into a position where you can sup with me, where you can commune with me. During this time of the coronavirus, we need to, be, we need to have an intimate experience with the Lord. This superficial stuff ain't going to work no more. Your good luck charm's not going to work no more. Your horseshoe's not going to work anymore. Your Hail Marys, your, your role, hey, that's not going to keep you grounded during a time of a storm. Religious activities can continue unaffected, but guess what? You won't have the victory that comes from knowing and experience 
the real intimacy of God. So right now, for some of you, I'm, right, I'm over your head because all you know what, about God is come to church, read your Bible, pray. But that doesn't mean that you've had an intimate encounter with him. That doesn't mean that you've had a, 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 as, a, as, as, as the Lord desires of us that we experience him. As Moses said, I had to cover my face. I couldn't, I couldn't enter directly to God's presence. But in, in 2 Corinthians 3 says, but we, as those who have unveiled faces, we can boldly come into the throne of grace and we can obtain mercy. We can encounter God in a very personal way. Somebody say amen. It won't deliver you. The presence of those symbols, though you may not have them, doesn't mean that God has left the building. Aren't you glad about that? Now, what causes people to confuse the symbols of God as the reality of the person of God? Now, this is really important because I believe that what's happening in the world today, um, in, in the lives of believers, God has put a microscope on our, what we say we really believe. Our, our faith is really being tested uh, do, we, do we trust the word of God? Or are you been, have you been trusting in good health? Have you been trusting in the things that suggest that God is showing you favor? Or do you have a love and a closeness to him that transcends what you're going through? Somebody say with me. Now, let me share some reasons why we can settle for substitutes. The lack of accurate teaching from the word of God will cause you to think that the symbols, oh, we can't have church. We're not in the building. Oh, we can't have church because the pastor didn't wear tie today. Oh, we can't. Oh, no, no, those represent what we believe, quote, unquote, makes something spiritual. But we, I also hear the word of God said, man looks at the outward appearance, but God, God. The lack of accurate teaching of the word of God. The scripture says there's coming a day in Hosea chapter 8, verse 11. He says, the day is coming, declare the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the word of God. There's a lack of true and accurate teaching of the word of God. And so when we don't know the truth, we will put a picture before the person of God. The scripture says in Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, that in those days that the word of God was rare. The word of God was rare. I want you to know that the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of son of soul and spirit. The word of God is what is alive. The word of God is what's going to sustain us. But when you, when you don't have an accurate understanding of the word, you'll find yourself wavering. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the lack of clear and accurate teaching. That's why during this time we need to stay in this word. We need to be reading this word. We need to be meditating on this word. We need to be obeying and observing what the word of God says. Because that is what's going to keep our focus on him. Another cause is the lack of godly leadership. Eli's sons, the Bible says, were scoundrels. They were worthless they were, the, they were the high priest's sons, and he had ordained them as priests. They were leaders, and as the leadership goes of a, of a church, so does the ministry of the church. The shepherds of God, when we fail, we can lead the flock of God, the sheep of God, over a spiritual cliff. And so the lack of spiritual leadership, all of that is under examination right now. Everything that we said we thought we believed is now being exposed as to the truth of what is really 
that which is true to us. The lack of spiritual legacy in Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, it says, after the generation of Joshua died, that a new generation came and the children who were born, they did not know the works and the ways of God because the generation that followed Joshua were never told about God. They were never told, so they were not prepared for times like this. They didn't know how God had led the nation of Israel through the Red Sea. They didn't know how God had caused ten plagues to come upon the nation of Egypt to set the God's people free. They didn't know how God caused water to come out of a bitter tree. They didn't know the miracles of God. They didn't know the testimony. And so when we stop sharing our testimony, what begins to happen is people will replace the person of God with things that represent God. And those things will fail you in the time of a storm. Are you leaving a legacy for your children? Are you telling them about the goodness of the Lord? Are you still witnessing to them now that even in the midst of this storm, Jesus is on the boat? And any boat that Jesus is on, it cannot sink. Where the Lord is taking us, we're going to get there. But if you don't begin to declare that the children, as they are watching us, our families, as they are watching us, the light of Christ that is not shining will cause them to turn to the report of man rather than the report of God. Another cause of putting pictures and symbols and ritual and standing outside of the curtain rather than entering into the court of God and entering into his presence is a life of sinful behavior while still playing church. The Bible says in, Revel in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, in those days there was no king and every man did what was right in his own eyes. When the church has a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof, what will begin to happen is, again, people will fall away. And when, where there is not a true example and, and, and teaching of who God is, people will make gods in their own image. They will make representation of God. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 23, the church of Laodicea, the church they, they, they were having, it was one of the thriving churches of that day. And they said, we got, we're rich, we're clothed, and we've got great vision. And the Lord says, no, you don't, because you have symbols of great vision and wealth. You have symbols of, of great uh, 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 stability, but I, I see you as wretched, naked, and blind. And so when God looks at the church, and the church is not walking according to his word, because we have been taught the word, and the word that we've been taught we haven't applied, the consequences, every man will do what is right in his own sight, and the presence of the Lord will be replaced by pictures, and we will be satisfied with things that are really not going to give us the help that we need during a time like this. Now, here are some of the consequences that occur when we allow ourselves to go, we, I had my devotions today, I prayed today, I sung a couple hymns today, and I called some people, we, you know, we, we did our, our, our to-do spiritual list, but none of it's being prompted by the Holy Spirit, none of it's being led by the Word of God. When those are coming, even good things, we can do good things for the wrong reason. The Bible talks about how we can draw close to God with our mouth, with our practices, but our heart, God is after our hearts. And I believe that this plague that we're under right now, it, it, it's about our hearts. God wants us to want him, not the things that he does. God wants us to want him. Here are the consequences. When we don't have that routine encounter with God on a personal level, 
In the time of trouble, we will be, we will be overwhelmed by fear. And I'm amazed at how many Christians are terrorized, how many Christians don't want to step out of their door, how many Christians spend all day listening to the, to the, to the news and, 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 and so little time hearing what the Word of God has said. But God tells us, he said, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God, God has given us power and love. He has given us the ability to rise above the challenges. But when you are not a person who understands what it means to be in the face of God, what it means to push your plate away, what it means to hold on to God like Jacob. He wrestled with the Lord until the Lord blessed him. Until you actually hear from God, I'm not getting up, I'm not stopping. At this time, as we're going through this, Lord, I want you to clean my heart. Lord, I want you to, I want you to turn the light of your spirit on every aspect of my life. And what the Lord will begin to do through his word, he will shine it on every area of your life. And as the word is shining on those areas, you will know that the spirit of God is at work and you are right now experiencing him for who he is and what you need to be in order to become conformed to his end. So fear, I want you to know that if you're not a person who can understand how to get into the presence of God and, and, and what God apparently is not doing based on er errant theology, you're going to be controlled by fear. Another thing is going to happen is false confidence. Are you really going to believe? All you got to do is put your cross up. All you got to do is say three ashalakanda boom shakalakas. All you got to do is touch and agree and you're not sick. No, it don't work like that. So you're going to have a false confidence. The people believe that when the Ark of the Covenant was in their midst, when they were having communion, when they drank communion, all that stuff I did last night don't matter because I had communion. I got baptized. I'm saved. No, 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 no. You can't just live any kind of way. Those, you have a false confidence in what God is going to do through symbols, what God is going to do based on what man has said rather than what God has said. The ark will deliver us. My mother's prayers will deliver us. No, they won't. You better learn how to pray for yourself. This is what God is trying to teach us. God is trying to teach us how to get in on our knees and cry out to him for ourselves. This thing is getting real. You say, well, I ought to be over in a couple weeks. No, this ain't going away in a couple weeks. But God is still yet knocking on the doors of our heart and saying, don't settle for what the, the routine of Christianity. Don't settle for just going through the motions. I want you to come to a place where you are desperate for experiencing me. Would you be like Paul? Paul says, I am striving every day that I I might grab hold of you. I'm chasing after you, not after your blessings, not after a time. I'm chasing after you, God. You will find yourself with false, false confidence. You have failure because what happens, the nation of Israel was defeated. You're not supposed to be defeated by what's going on right now. We were made for this. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. There is nothing that will ever overtake us that God hasn't already prepared us for. It is really true that greater is he than he that is in the world. All that is coming on the outside, God has already equipped us to be above it and, above and beyond it. We have authority over sickness. We have authority, the word of God says, not only over, this, over sickness but over demonic spirits, over every spirit. But when we are operating in fear and false confidence, 
we'll find ourselves failing in the midst of the challenge. The, prophet, uh, the priest's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they get killed. Eli, when he hears that the Ark of the Covenant, not that his sons have died, when he hears that the Ark, the symbol, the, reference, the Ark of the Covenant is gone, he falls off his chair and he breaks his neck. That's how powerful we can become hooked to things that represent God versus who God really is. He, he, had, he broke his neck because the Ark was removed. The woman who had the child as she was dying, Phineas, his wife, she named her son Ichabod because the ark was removed. We're meeting in different places right now. We're live streaming. God is very present right now. You ought to praise him because he's in the midst of his people. You ought to give him glory for how he sustained you this week, how he woke you up this morning, how he continues to provide for you, how you have food on your table, a roof over your head. You ought to thank the Lord right now that he is yet ever present in the midst of our storms. Not only will you find yourself failing in the time that the church should be standing its tallest, believing and having false confidence and fearing, you will also find yourself fleeing. The people, it says in verse 10, so the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his tent. Oh no, we're not fleeing. The gates of hell can't prevail against the church. Jesus said, I've given you keys for everything that we would ever confront. The church has keys. We're not retreating. We're marching forward. All we need to do in the midst of what we're being challenged by, the COVID virus, we need to put on the whole armor of God. I know that we haven't figured it out as far as man is concerned. God already has the solution. And here's his solution. He says the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of stronghold. God, this is a spiritual war. He wants some strongholds pulled down. He wants some things that we've been putting above him torn down. He wants the idols to be removed from our lives. He wants those things that have distracted us from praying and staying in his word. He is pulling those things down. This is not time to flee. This is time to go through those doors that the, that the enemy is erecting against the church. We're going to keep telling people about the goodness of the Lord. We're going to keep being uh, godly in the way that we treat one another. We're going to keep serving him. Somebody say amen. Now, how do you experience the presence and the power of God rather than accepting superficial connections with God, just going through the motions and saying the religious things. We are, we are experts in churchianity. We are experts in religion, but God is about relationship. And that's what God is moving this world towards, is knowing that we need a relationship with him. Let me give you some suggestions from the word of God of how you can experience his presence. First of all, recognize you need the person, not the picture of God. Listen at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2. A long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel, here it is, lamented after the Lord. After tw it took 20 years of God chastening the nation of Israel. 
to bring them to a place where their focus was not on the symbols of God, where they now, the Bible says, they yearned, they lamented, they longed for God. That's what this quarantine is all about. God wants us to come to a point in our lives where we are desperate for him. God is stripping us from all of those things that would keep us from totally making him the first love of our life. God wants to bring us to the place where we love him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls. And the truth be told, we don't love God like that. We don't love him like that. And so the scripture, after 20 years to recognize you don't need the person, you, need, you, you don't need the picture, you need the person, and you'll do when you long for God. I believe that this virus is going to continue until we as believers, as the church of Jesus Christ, come to a place where we are crying out for God to be in the midst of everything that we do. They long, they lamented for God. We also need to do a second thing. Return to the Lord through repentance. Have you taken the time? The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name, have you told the Lord you're sorry for the lack of intercession on the part of us as, as believers for the nation? Have you taken the time to personally confess your sins of being at ease in Zion and, and, and not confess? totally committed to the things of the Lord. God is calling us to a place of not only national repentance, but individual repentance. The scripture says, so they gathered at Mizpah, and they drew water, they poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day. And they said, Lord, we have sinned against you. We have sinned against you in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Have you gone before the Lord and prayed for this nation? and ask the Lord to forgive you of your personal sins during this time. I believe that if, the, if there's a revival in the church, God is going to turn back the hands of time from the judgment that is falling upon this earth. While we got the uh, coronavirus going on, half the, half the world is under a national weather uh, a crisis. You got tornadoes and all the things that God said would happen at the end. And in, in the church, we, we, yes, we need to shelter and, and stay and be protected and so forth, but this is a time for repentance. You ought to be crying out, and I ought to be crying out to the Lord for this nation and crying out for those things that are in our life that don't please the Lord. Somebody say amen. We also want to remove every idol. What have you put before the Lord? Has it, is it your cell phone? Is it your social media post? Is it your career? Is it your agenda? Is it your family? Is it the money you have in the bank? Is it where you live? Is it your reputation? Whatever we have placed before the Lord, the Lord wants us to remove every idol. He's going to shake the heavens until those things that have, that have become more important to us are placed on the altar for him to consume. The Bible says, put away foreign gods and the asterisks from among you. We need to put away what are the idols in your life? What are the things that have consumed your time, that have kept you from being in the Word, kept you from praying, kept you from sharing your faith, kept you from growing spiritually? This is the time that the Lord is saying, cast those idols away so that at this moment, during a time where I'm purifying my church, 
and I'm cleansing the world, and I'm chastising the righteous and judging the world, that you would put away idols. And finally, you want to rely on God for victory, not, his, not the symbols of God. And in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse uh, 8 and tw- through 12, it says, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us. The people were praying, saying, Samuel, don't stop praying. We are now dependent upon him. We recognize that as long as we are connected to God, we cannot be defeated. We will not lose. We will not be overwhelmed. We will not be overcome as long as we are connected to him through prayer. We want to rely on the Lord. Not just for this moment, Lord, if you get us out of this, I'll come to church. Lord, if you get us out of this, I'll give them a tithe. Lord, if you get us out of this. No, this is not until he gets us safely out of this, cha- this, this trial. But we're saying, Lord, we are committed to relying upon you. We're asking you through the intercession of your man, your man's servant, Samuel. He is going to continue to pray for us that the power of God would be at work amongst us. Stop mistaking pictures, symbols, religious activities. Even come to church, and when we get a chance to come together, praise God, that's going to be exciting. But more than that, God wants your heart. He doesn't want you, just want your head. He doesn't just want your right answers. He's not impressed with us going through the motions and being able to say, God is good and all the time God is good. God wants you. He wants to commune and fellowship with you. The things that we have relied on other than God are not going to deliver us, are not going to give us faith in the middle of the storm, but he will. He will. When I think about all of the people that are dying Thousands of people are dying from the coronavirus around the world. And because the scientists don't fully understand how the disease is is communicated and, and spread, most of those people are dying in hospital beds alone. Their loved ones can't even attend their funerals. I just heard where uh, in, in Italy they have made an ice rink into a massive graveyard and where they're placing bodies. I did a funeral uh, this past week on Monday, and uh, there were 50 people, and they had, everybody had to be 10 feet apart, and it was just heartbreaking. They couldn't go to the cemetery, and, and, and so they really weren't able to grieve their loved one. They couldn't visit him at the hospital when he was dying. He died alone. And so when I thought about this, I said, well, God, could you help me understand to how do you encourage people during times like this that if somebody you love, if you, get the, if you get the disease and you're in the hospital and it progresses and you die, you're going to be by yourself? I hear Paul saying in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he was on death row and his sentence for death had been decided, the date was, was, was in motion. He says, I've already, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering the time of my departure at hand. He knew he was going to die. And he said... In that dungeon, as he's dying, he says, I'm lonely. 
I miss my friends. He said, Mark, would you come? Luke, would you come? And, and he said, come quickly. He didn't know how much longer he had to live. He said, come quickly. But then he stopped in the, moon, in the midst of his loneliness, in the midst of his despair. He said, but God has been with me. Even when I was forsaking him and nobody was with me and I, and I thought I was all alone, God was with me, and not only was he with me, but the God who is not a picture, the God who's not a symbol, the God who's not restricted by time and space, this same God has delivered me out of the mouth of lions. I want you to know your loved ones may be in the hospital, and they may even be sick, but if they know the person of Jesus Christ, they're not alone. Oh, the symbol that they used to carry may be still at the house. They may not be able to come to the church. You may not be able to go to them, but the God who saved them, the God who loves them, the God who sent Jesus to die for them. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. They're not alone. Oh, they're not alone. God is with them, and his voice is speaking, and even when, there's, when, there's, when his voice is speaking and he decides to take them home, he has delivered them out of the mouth of lions because Christians never lose because we just simply get promoted. We get promoted. What can man do? The worst that man can do is take my life, but only God has already restored, has already secured my soul. And so as you are thinking about those that you may know who are struggling with the disease and may be in very critical condition, would you remind them as you are able to talk with them over the phone or FaceTime them, that they're not alone, that the presence of God is there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're more than a picture. You're more than ritualistic words. You're more than a, a Bible verse that we read. You're more than 10 scriptures that we've committed to memory. You are the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. Who, who indwells his people. And so, God, may we be encouraged that we are not alone. I may be single at home. I may be quarantining, but I'm not alone. I may feel I'm not alone because, God, you have allowed this to occur and even initiated this because nothing happens without your permission to bring us to a place where we learn that you are all that we need. You are sufficient. Your grace is enough. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. The Lord wants us not to be satisfied with simply going through the motions of a spectator. This thing called walking with God and having a personal, it's, it's real. There's nothing sweeter than having an intimate relationship with the Lord where you hear his quiet and still voice. Where even in the midst of all that is breaking out around us, we find ourselves rejoicing because he gives us a joy that surpasses human comprehension. When you know him like that, 
your faith will be unmovable. Your confidence will be unshakable. So I'm thanking God even for what we're experiencing because he has stripped away the distractions and he's placed us where he wants us to be, where we have an opportunity to know him for who he is. Amen. If you're here listening or if you're listening through our live stream, we thank the Lord for the technicians that were able to get us back. We thank the Lord for the ministry that we are able to sustain. I really believe that God is teaching us to do church a new way. But you may never have come to that place where you have said, yes, I need Jesus. Jesus is not just a picture in a frame on a wall. He's not a good song that mama used to sing. But Jesus is the true and only son of God who came from heaven. And he lived a sinless, perfect life. But in spite of that, he voluntarily offered to pay the price for your sins and mine by going to the cross and shedding his blood. You see, according to the Bible, that without the shedding of blood, if Jesus had not been willing to bleed and die for us, our sins would not be forgiven. The good news is that because he died, and he overcame the grave that now we can place our trust in the full payment that he made for us and God will deposit it into our spiritually empty account and he'll make us righteous, he'll make us saved. So if you're listening to my voice right now and you want to give Christ your life and have a personal relationship with him, would you simply repeat this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I need you, for I have sinned, and my sin has separated me from you. But you came from heaven, even though you did not have to, and you took my place on the cross. In every sin that I would ever commit, past, present, and future, the blood that you shed paid for it in full. And the proof is that on the third day, just as you promised, you got up and you live today. And so God, we thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I accept him as my personal savior and Lord. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. Accept me into your family through Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for answering my prayer I'm now the child of God through faith in the finished work of Jesus. Let me continue to pray for you. Father God, we thank you for those who have repeated that prayer. We know there's nothing magical. It's like a picture. The reality of the prayer is that we called out to you out of a heart of sincerity. The truth of the prayer is that we accept the fact that Christ did die and he was buried and was resurrected. That is what makes it real. And so, God, we thank you that the journey has begun and we will begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that those who have asked Christ to come into their lives by faith, that they would acknowledge that to a, a mature Christian so that someone will begin to walk alongside of them, enabling them to grow 
and to become more like Jesus. And now, Father, as we continue to pray for the church, Lord, we know that you said that when you speak again, when your voice has been ignored, that you would shake the heavens. And God, right now, you are shaking the heavens. You are shaking the ordinary order of things. You have caused us to be uncomfortable. God, you are removing all of the hindrances that have kept us distracted from our central focus on you. And Father, you will continue to shake until that which is unshakable remains. You will continue to shake until we come to a place where we are at awe for who you are. We are trembling in your presence, that we have a holy reverence for God, that we are walking in obedience to you. God, I'm not praying that you stop the shaking. I'm praying that you would shake away the things that are hindering us from being all that we should be. Oh, God, we're trusting you right now that you're going to move in such a way that even those who deny you will cry out, what must I do to be saved? God, we're lifting up those who are the essential workers. We're lifting up doctors and nurses. We're lifting up healthcare workers. God, we're lifting up those who work at the grocery store and pack our grocery bags. We're lifting up all of those, Lord, who allow us to have gas for our cars. And we're lifting up the truck drivers and, and all of those, Lord, we sometimes take for granted. God, I'm praying that you would cover them with the blood of Jesus. And God, I'm praying that the plague, the plague would not have to last. God, I'm praying that we would come to a place of repentance as a nation and we would say to you, I'm sorry. I'm praying for the leadership in Washington. I'm praying for the governors and the senators, for the mayors, oh God. I'm praying for every citizen, those who know you and those who don't that we would come to a place of repentance so that you will be heard and every man be a liar, that God be true. We thank you and we bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.